Well, today is a little bit different, obviously. Uh, it's a, a good different. Um, it's all to glorify God. And one of the things that we'll be doing today is uh, this sermon will be kind of a hybrid between what we talked about last week, last Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and readjusted for this audience as well. So I have a question for you guys. This is a rubber band, right? Don't worry. You don't need to cover your eyes. I'm not going to shoot you in the eye um, yet. But uh, my question is, can this rubber band have a great impact? Yeah, it can, it can. But can it create an explosion that's huge? Within itself, no, it can't really do a whole lot. It's actually very limited. But let me give you an example. If I were to put this rubber band on a watermelon, do you think it'll explode? I hope not. I really hope not. And you know what? It didn't. It's the one small rinky-dinky little rubber band. It doesn't have much of an impact. But what happens when we give a lot of rubber bands to it? What will happen then as we begin to pile on small, rinky-dinky little rubber bands? What happens is an explosion is created. Now the question is, how many rubber bands does it take before that watermelon explodes? We don't have 30 minutes to have you guys watch me put that on. But my family and I, we, we were curious. So we went into our backyard, set up a camera, set up the watermelon, and we started to put the rubber bands on. How many rubber bands do you think it'll take before that watermelon explodes? Watch the video to find out. Hey, what are you guys going to do today? Um, we're going to make a watermelon explode. What are we going to use? Tools. Tools? Like what? Like rubber bands? Mm -hmm. mm. Are you excited, Brooks? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is it yummy? <laughs> 712 rubber bands is what it takes in case you want to try in your backyard today. Uh, if I go to Mar or Meyer or Kroger and there's no watermelons, I'll know why. So, one rinky-dink little rubber band by itself doesn't have a big impact. But when you begin to do these small things together and compile it, it can create an explosion. That's kind of what we're going to read about today in our text. It's about Abraham. Abraham was called by, go, or called by God to go on a journey. And like all journeys, you can't just jump to the top of the mountain, but you have to take it step by step by step. And each step that Abraham took was a step of faith. Each situation that Abraham came into was like a step of faith. And it was as if 
he was adding just one rubber band at a time. One step of faith, one rubber band at a time. And eventually it would create a huge explosion. God would use his faith. God would choose to use his faith to create a huge explosion. So read with me Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. We're going to read about Abraham's faith, how he was called to go, and how God would use that to create a huge explosion in our history. Genesis 12, first book of the Bible, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house and to the land that I will show you, and I will make, you a gr- I will make of you a great nation. So I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here's what's happening here. Abraham lived in his home country uh, in the Mesopotamian era. He lived in a, a town called Ur. Why did they call it Ur? I don't know. We say A. So maybe they're like, what should we call it? And he was like, Ur, I don't know. Like, kind of, I don't know. It, that could be a possibility. This is the gray area of the Bible where we've got to assume some things, right? Uh, or he, maybe he was a pirate. Ur, R, kind of similar. There's some, I, we don't, well, he wasn't a pirate. But maybe. But God called him to go on this journey. To go on this journey. And the, Abraham could have said no. He could have said, no, I enjoy racing camels, riding camels around in the desert, sleeping in tents. I really like that. Or it's not going to be safe. What will people say about me if I just uproot my family and go on this like 1,200-mile journey? What will they say? But Abraham decided to go. And each step he took was a step of faith. Each situation he came into, uh, most of the time, he was able to leverage his faith. It was as if he was adding one rubber band at a time. And God would choose to use his acts of faith to create a huge explosion. If you look at verse 3, it says, towards the tail end, it says, And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, what does that mean? Um, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here. Which, what does that even mean? Who puts a cat in a bag? Uh, I know that's my grandma and grandpa used to say it. So maybe, if if you know what that means, come see me after. Um, I, let's, I should try that out and put it on a video. Put a cat in a bag, see how that works. So here's, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag right here. He's talking about Jesus. Essentially, Abraham knew that he was, God was saying, in you, you will be blessed. Meaning, Abraham, you're going to have a kid, and then your kids are going to have kids, and their kids are going to have kids, and their kids are going to have kids, and eventually the Savior of the world will come. And we know today that is Jesus. Now, why is Jesus the blessing to the nations? Why is he the explosion? The answer to that is at the beginning, whenever God created the world, he created Adam and Eve, the very first people. And Adam and Eve and God lived in the Garden of Eden. They lived in perfect harmony. Everything was all good. Adam and Eve had everything they needed. They were at peace. But then Adam and Eve decided to disobey God. Or another word for that could be they decided to sin against God. And because they sinned against God, that created separation from God. And because Adam and Eve were separated from God, their kids and their kids and their kids will all be separated from God too. And not only that, they'll live in pain and suffering because they are separated from God. So what God decided to do, he said, I'm going to send myself. I'm going to send my son. And what will happen is those who believe in my son, it'll be as if 
when Jesus is on the cross, it, it will be as if they take their, the sins of the people who believe in Jesus and put it on Jesus and hang it on Jesus on the cross. And then Jesus takes his righteousness, which is a big word, but it, and places it on them. So now when God sees people who have faith in Jesus, Adam and Eve's children, he is a, they, the relationship is restored because God sees that righteousness that Jesus has. He no longer sees that sin. So there's a restoration of a relationship. That's why Jesus is a blessing, because he restores this relationship. And this blessing of Jesus is available to anybody, anywhere, anytime, no matter what they've done. That's why, when it comes down to it, Abraham took steps of faith. And eventually, it would create an explosion. The explosion is the rival of Jesus, blessing the world around us. And this, this is a great news because God still works like this today. He still works like this today. If you, he, if you say, okay, what are the small steps of faith I can do? What are the things I can do to take small steps that could eventually create a big impact? Well, if you go to your neighbor's house, if you go across the street and you decide, you know what, I'm going to share my toys. Or that's, that's one way. Or if you go across the street and say, I'm just going to spend time with my neighbor and just enjoy their friendship. That's representing Jesus to them because you're representing that you are valuable, you are loved. Or if you're a parent, so you might go to work. If you're a mom or dad, you might go to work and you might have a coworker who's not all that nice. But the mom and dad can choose to respond in kindness, choose to respond in Christ-like love. That's adding a step of faith. God uses those small steps of faith to make a big impact. God is still working today. And that's the great thing. And the rubber band, even though it's small, it can create a big impact. And if you don't believe me that something small can do something so big and great, we had this thing called a Rue Goldberg uh, project um, where you start out with something small, doing something small, and then it creates something big. Uh, or a guy by the name of Kurt Kofal and his team from Trail Life, which is the Christian version of like Boy Scouts, they built this Rue Goldberg project for us and it worked like a T. And we showed how something small, like rolling a ball, can create something unique, something big. Check out this video that demonstrates that. Three, two, one. So that was the practice run. The reason why we showed you the practice run is because imagine trying to film that in a room full of kids. It just doesn't work very well. So uh, that, that was what we did on the very first night. The unicorn went flying. The kids loved it. On the second night, we had the, unif or the unicorn against the wall, but we had the same uh, Rue Goldberg thing going, and they were expecting something to happen to the unicorn. Well, on that night, instead of having something happen to the unicorn, we had 2,000 pieces of candy drop uh, drop in the back and there was like this the kids weren't expecting it at all so when they heard the drop and saw all the candy flying they literally everybody gasped all at once like <gasps> and then they ran and mosh pit and we had kids doing snow angels in the candy we had kids crawling over each other it was amazing Kurt and his job Kurt and his team did an amazing job setting that up getting it going they spent hours perfecting it and we're so grateful I'm grateful that we have so many teams here 
who are like, I want to see children's ministry grow. I want to see uh, these kids like be discipled in Christ. I, I'm so grateful that I get to work at a church that loves to see children be discipled with their families. Now, I'm going to speed forward a little bit here. I'm not going to give you the whole uh, buffet of what we talked about this last week. But one of the questions I asked the parents from this past week on Thursday night was, why did God send Abraham to this land of Canaan? Why did he go there? Why was he sent there? And what we talked about, what, a concept we introduced was this idea of a hot spot. I use some analogies to explain it, but I'll just tell you outright what it is. A hot spot is a place where God sends you to go, whether you like it or not, sometimes, to go there and you essentially reflect, the, you show the blessing, you represent the blessing of Jesus. You are the blessing of Jesus. So why did God send Abraham where he was living at in Ur all the way to Israel? What was the point? Why did God send him there at that specific moment, at that specific time? Why did God say, this is your hot spot, Abraham, where you will be doing amazing work, amazing ministry? Well, if you look, if you live in Egypt and you want to trade, you have to go through Abraham's hot spot to get to Europe, to get to Euroasia, to get to the Middle East. You have to travel through there. If you want to trade and you're in the Europe and you want to go down to Africa or uh, the Mesopotamia area, you have to go through Abraham's hot spot. You see, God was very strategic in having his having Abraham go to this spot because it was like a trading area. So if you want to, tra- it was a way that people would go into Abraham's area, his hot spot, and they would interact with him. They would have to walk through his land. God specifically sent him there to that hot spot because he knew that Abraham being there could create a big impact. So I asked the families, why are you here? Why did God put you in Livingston County? at this specific moment, at this specific time. And then what we did, obviously we have a map up here of Livingston County, and we gave each family some stickers. I know the stickers are kind of the same color as the map, so it's a little difficult to see. But we said, where has God called you to go be the blessing? Some kids said, oh, he's called me to go to Brighton at the Imagination Station. I'm going to be a blessing there. Some people said, oh, at the Howell Library. Oh, at my neighborhood, in my house. I'm called, like we as a family are called to go be a blessing here to represent Jesus. This is our hot spot. We even had some kids say things like, yeah, God has called me to be a blessing to my cat. I don't know how that works, but we're going to roll with it. Uh, They're taking steps of faith. We're going to roll with that, okay? Other kids said uh, great things like, I'm going to be a blessing to my neighbor or to my sister or to uh, a friend at school, right? They were identifying who and where they're going to go be a blessing to. So Abraham had his hot spot. Our families that attended this last week had their hot spot. Where is your hot spot where God is calling you to go be the blessing, to show Jesus to the world? So this last October, I sat down, like first night of our small group that my wife and I hosted, and uh, we were all sitting in chairs in our small group, and I said, who here has been in a Bible study before? Everybody raised their hand, multiple Bible studies. Who here has sat in a chair and been in a small group before? Everybody raised their hand, multiple small groups. So then I said, who here has uh, 
shared their faith with somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus. Like one or two hands shyly go up. And I said, well, I want to challenge us. Um, and I said, why? And uh, Well, let, let me tell you the rest of the story. I said, why? And they're like, well, Brandon, we're, we're introverts. Three-fourths of the group said we're introverts. And I said, oh, that's great. You've been reading your Christian horoscope, whatever. But uh, they said, we're introverts. We can't, we can't do this. And I said, there is no time better to be an introvert and witness because our culture right now is just people talking at each other. If you want to be countercultural, then all you really have to do is just listen and ask really good questions. And you will be so attractive in our culture. There is never a better time to send out introverts to evangelize than now. Because they're going to be so countercultural. They're like, all right. So then I made a joke. And uh, they didn't laugh. The 8 o'clock service didn't laugh. Let's see if you guys laugh. So the joke was about Matthew 28, 19. Where it says, uh, Matthew 28, 19 says, Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a command. That's not a suggestion. And I said, well, this is the most ignored command in the entire Bible. Nobody really, very few people follow this command. And they didn't laugh, and you guys didn't laugh. Um, so uh, I thought it was funny. Um, and you know what? Like, maybe, maybe I could work on my joke form telling, or maybe you guys need to get a sense of humor. I don't know. But uh, I'm just kidding. I know it. I know it wasn't funny, but I made my point. Um, so I said, that's, I said, the Great Commission is your mission. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's not a great suggestion. It is literally a command in the Bible. And we want to cut that command out, right? So it's, it's, it's not a suggestion. So I said, you know what? By the end of this academic year, I want to challenge each of us to go out and talk to someone about Jesus. And they all said, yeah, let's do it. They were excited. And then a couple weeks later, as God's providence would have it, uh, a person came forward and said, I have this great curriculum that I want to teach people how to evangelize. And the person's name was Debbie Tweedy. So Debbie Tweedy came and cracked our group in the shape, <laughs> whipped our group in the shape. And uh, for eight weeks, we sat and we talked and we practiced. And it was great conversations. And then after those eight weeks, we sent them out to get out of the chair, because the chair is cozy, right? The chair is where it's safe. The chair is where you can talk about hypothetically evangelizing. The chair is where you could talk about hypothetically your faith, right? But it's when you have to get up and go, that's when the real stuff starts happening, right? So our group got up and went, and they were all nervous, the first time doing it. They went, and then we came back like every other week, and we talked about what happened. And man, they had stories, so many good stories. Most of the group said this. There are people, they were talking to them, and they said, uh, they said that their friend said something along the lines of, I'm so glad we're talking about this because I don't know who else I can talk to about this in my life. Like, I, I don't know how to talk about the deep things of life with people. That was literally half the group. What that tells me is that there are people out there waiting to talk about the deeper things of life. And that is powerful when you go in there just willing to listen to a person. People want to talk about these things. It's amazing. The, uh, the other group said things along the lines of, yeah, Brandon, uh, that one conversation led to a second conversation, led to a third conversation, led to a fourth conversation. We're having multiple conversations now. Our small group is coming back all excited because they got up and go. They moved from the hypothetical into the reality that God has for them. And they have stories to tell. 
now. Stories that they had never seen God. They've seen God work in ways that they had never seen it before. They have a different story to tell. And that's why I'm excited about this map. Because these stickers represent families saying, I'm going to go out and I'm going to be a blessing. And there's going to be stories that happen because these families are getting up out of the chair and going into the world. And there will be stories that happen because of that. And if you're sitting here saying, Brandon, I've sat in a chair for a long time. I want a story. I, I, want, I want God to work through me to challenge people's hearts. I want to experience that. I want to say that you've come to the right service because over the next couple of weeks, uh, Matt Grimm is teaching a class. He'll be in the Celebration Center on this side. He's wearing a suit coat or something like that. Um, he's about 6'1", dreamy eyes, and uh, suit coat, uh, khaki pants. Um, he'll be out there. So uh, just look for the guy with dreamy eyes. Um, anyways, he's teaching a class for the next couple of weeks where he's getting people together and he's training them as groups because they're going to go out as groups. They're going to get ready to share a story. And then they're going to get up and they're going to go be the blessing. They're going to go to these festivals. They're going to go to these things here in Livingston County and they're going to set up tents. They're going to hand out things like water and they're just and the people who go just might end up talking about the weather with random people. And that's great. God honors that. Or they might, or there's in the tent, they could walk through this experiential thing. It's really cool. You should see it. I, if I explain it now, you guys will be like, that doesn't make sense. So just go ask Matt about it. And there's a lot of opportunity in that because it's low pressure. It's just you're walking somebody through something. And uh, you're talking about the deeper things of life. And that might actually lead to a coffee conversation. That might lead to something more. That could be you. That could be part of your faith story as coming along other people and welcoming them into the faith. Those are some of the most awesome, fun, and adventurous stories that you can tell. I want to invite you into that. Go talk to the dreamy-eyed guy in the Celebration Center, okay? But here's the reason. As we wrap up today, here's why, here's why this is important. Every morning... Well, not every morning. Every morning, I'm not running late to work. Um, my boys and I, we do a little bit of a huddle. We, we get together and either on my stairs or in the driveway, and they're like four years old and two years old. And I say to them, okay, boys, where are you going today? And they'll say, we're going to my neighbor's house. We're going to our friend's house. We're going to Target or soccer game. And I'll say, okay, who are you going to talk to? We talk about who they're going to talk to. And then uh, they ask me what I'm going to do, and I say, I'm going to have this meeting, talk to these people, all this stuff. And then we pray. We pray that whoever we come in contact with on that day, we will show the love of Jesus to them. That's what we pray. And then we break huddle. It takes like one minute because they're four and two, so their answers are very quick. Anyways, so even before Felix goes on the soccer field, I'll say, Felix, go on the soccer field. Now's the time to show the blessing of Jesus. He's like, okay, whatever. It's very low pressure. I don't pressure my kids like that. But I'm, what I'm hoping is that eventually my kids will grow up and go into the adult world. And even though we're supposed to be separated from the world and holy, we, God wants us to engage the world, obviously, because he gives us the great commission. And I want my boys to be able to say, I know God wants to work through me to change the hearts around me. Whenever they get to be adults, I don't want them being all shy and scared. I want them to say, I know the Lord's going to work through me. I know he will. He, he might. He, he, he might do something I don't even expect, but I'm excited to see what God's going to do. Guess what? That doesn't really happen whenever we sit kids in chairs and tell them hypothetical stuff. 
We have to get them in situations where they are activating their faith. That's part of why we did this message, because we want parents to train up their students to say, everywhere I go is a mission field, and the Lord wants to work through me. And that kind of confidence doesn't come from sitting through your high school years in a chair listening to a lecture. That doesn't come that way. That kind of confidence comes from, of the Lord wants to work through me comes from hands-on experience. I'm excited, for, I'm excited to raise up this next high school teenagers to be able to say, my school's my mission field. My house, my street, it's a mission field. And I know the Lord will work through me because he has worked through me before. We need to equip our students with that kind of confidence that the Lord works through them. Because it's amazing what happens when we get out of the chair and go be the blessing. It is absolutely amazing. And the reason why I'm trying to push this today is because I want us to be able to tell stories. Stories of how God came into <laughs> some random stranger's life just because you showed up and were willing to be used by God. There are so many stories that we can tell. And I'm excited for our families to go to their places and come back with stories. I'm excited for my boys to do the same thing. I'm excited for you guys to do the same thing. There are such good stories to be told. And here's what, here's what I can tell you. In my, oh boy, math, 18, 35 minus 18 is 17. In my 17 years of being a Christian, here's what I've learned. Whenever I've gotten up out of chair and gone, this is what I've learned. It's awkward, it's weird, but God always goes before me and prepares the hearts of the people that I'm going to speak with. And sometimes I fall flat on my face. And those are some funny stories, too. <laughs> and other times, I, like, I have, I'm like, I have no idea what to say, but the Lord just shows up and does it. What you'll find is the Lord goes before you. He is faithful. He will go before you and work on the hearts of the people. He also comes behind you, too, and he supports you with the Holy Spirit changing you in the process. We have stories to tell, and the Lord wants to work through us to go tell those stories. I'm excited for our families to go be the blessing. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that you have decided to work with us as broken individuals who don't have it all together, as broken individuals who don't have it right, but yet you still want to work through us. Father, I don't get it. Um, I don't have my life perfect. Nobody in here has their life perfect. But you're not waiting for that, Lord. You're, waiting to, you're just waiting for an open heart and an open mind, and bravery, uh, that brave trust in you. And Father, I pray for Matt's class, live to tell. I pray that as they go forward into the community, that they would be effective. They would be winsome and charming because of what you're doing in their hearts. I pray that you prepare them well, and I pray for the people that they'll speak with, that you'll prepare them well. Father, we have so many stories to tell. I pray that we, we are willing to step into that into that crucible at times so that we can see you work so we can tell your story amen